round of applause to our children and all of our leaders. With that said, I'm going to ask everybody just real quickly stand up, greet someone around you, and then we're going to get right into our new sermon series. each and every one of you, and it's good to fellowship and to, to reconnect with people that we love that are part of God's family. If you are visiting with us today, we are so glad that you are here in this time of fellowship. You know, the Lord tells us to encourage and strengthen and, and to uh, push one another towards love and good deeds and Sunday morning and our time of worship is such an important and powerful time to be together as the family of God. As John reminded us last week as we talked about the importance of the church gathering. This morning we do start a new five-part sermon series entitled SWIM, which is an acronym for simply... Uh, see what it means. And our verse that will be the center of this five-week series comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, which states simply, we live by faith, not by sight. See what it means in your life to truly live the calling of faith that the Lord is drawing you to, to live a life of of faith, to live a life that is not by sight, but truly by faith. Yet it is a challenging, it is a challenging thing to leave the safety of the shore and enter the uncertain waters of trusting God. This whole series is really a metaphor for life. Uh, someone says, why the word swim? Well, it happens to be something that I've been doing, as you know, in my triathlons. And it's interesting how God uses the events in our lives to, to teach us some very important things about faith. Paul did it. Paul talked about the fact that uh, in this world, we are to be people, metaphorically speaking, that are running a race. He uses that metaphor, that physical element of run. Run as if you are going to win the race. He even transitions from the metaphor of run to talking about boxing. And so these metaphors that are used of things that take place in life represent how you and I are to approach the Lord, our walk with God, and especially our faith. Now, my ultimate goal is to allow this series, from beginning to end, to encourage and challenge you, challenge people to take that step of faith, to encourage people 
to continue in faith. And ultimately, at the end of one's faith journey, whether God calls them home early or they live a long life into their elderly years, that they are stronger and more confident in God. But the fact is, this is really uncertain waters, even for those that have begun the process, because so often we are intimidated by what we see to such a degree that we, we panic and we end up finding ourselves living our lives in a way that have totally lost focus on God because we are not at that point in our life where we trust God with everything in our lives. And so this morning, the title of this sermon is Suiting Up. Suiting Up. And we all have to suit up. You know, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, Paul tells us, he says, for physical training has some value, but godly training, spiritual training, has value not only for this life, but for the life to come. And 1 Timothy 4.8, that's Paul's way of saying to believers, look, in this life there's many things you're going to do, there's many things that you're going to like, you're going to have hobbies and pastimes, but... As important as they are, they should pale in comparison to your drive and your exertion in the arena of the spiritual disciplines. Because as we talk about faith in this series, it is important that we all understand the difference between salvation and sanctification. I talk about that a lot, but if you don't get that right in accordance with Scripture, you'll be messed up in your understanding of life and your walk with God. Salvation is something that God blesses us with when we put our trust, our faith in Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace, Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 4 and 8, by grace through faith. And that we are, as Paul would say in that passage of Scripture, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. But it is Christ, His blood, that brings salvation into our lives as we trust Him as we have faith. And we see the importance of faith. Sanctification in your life as a believer, is your part as you trust in Jesus and you rely on God in your great dependence of Him so that you can be a person that is sacrificing, that is surrendering, that is pursuing. And sometimes the fact is we do really good, but then at other times we fail really bad. But that's not going to cause us to lose our salvation what it does ultimately is restricts us from maximum glory that we can bring to God with our lives. And so, one is salvation. This series is about sanctification. Our part 
in the process. Our part in the process. Paul talks about these two concepts in Philippians 2.12 when he says, Look, work out your salvation that you have with fear and trembling. Paul isn't saying you got to work for it. Paul isn't saying you got to work to keep it. Paul is saying you have it by the grace of God through your faith. Now, be determined and work out your faith with this fear and trembling to signify the seriousness, the tone, the heart, the dedication in which you pursue God. So whether it's the metaphor run, you exert yourself. Whether it's the metaphor box, you don't do it aimlessly. You do it with a point and with an end in view. And this is what it will take for us to understand fully, to see what it means. To see what it means to live a life of faith and trusting the Lord. So, as we move on to the next slide, you may have to advance it for me. My clicker's not working. We come to a passage of Scripture in Ephesians 1. And this is what Paul says to the Ephesians church. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and this incomparable great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And so Paul sets us up in this letter to the Ephesians church to say, look, a Christian has a glorious inheritance in the Lord that in this life that we live and the battle that we face in the spiritual realm, that the same power that God used to raise Christ from the dead is the same power that is going to work in us as we trust in Him for the spiritual battle we face. And you think about that power that made Christ rise from the dead. That's a spiritual power that is God's mighty strength work in this world. And the Apostle Paul says, in your life, when you are walking with the Lord, and you are trusting the Lord, and faith is defined biblically, not as the way the world would define faith, this power will be upon you. You see, most people in this world, even Christians, have a shallow view of faith. We think faith, for the most part, is nothing more than, I believe in God, I'm not afraid to say that I believe in God. I just believe there's a God and that He'll work everything out in the end. And, you know, that's true in part. But as we'll learn next week in the series Getting Your Feet Wet, we understand that faith includes trusting and obeying. It's not just believing in God. 
It is living for God and living for God according to His Word. And that's where so many people, so many Christians neglect their life with the Lord. And we say to ourselves, I love the Lord. I've been saved by grace through faith. I believe in Jesus. Why do I feel so unhappy? Why do I feel so defeated? Why do I feel so weak? Where is this incomparable great power of God in my life? Ever felt that way? Maybe you feel that way even now. But you hear that all the time. You hear people, I just, I want to give up. If this is the way it is, if, if this is the power of God in my life, it's, it's not working. Look at my relationships. Look at my marriage. Look at my children. Oh, look at my job, and it's falling apart. Where, where is God in the picture? I knew it would be hard. But why do I feel so weak and defeated and really not whole and alive? And Paul answers that for all of us. But so few people will embrace what he tells them to do. And so, in Ephesians 6, 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. In this world that we live in, that is so difficult and hard, and at different times we face things that can be so hard and hurtful and painful, and we wonder, where is God? And I will need God's strength, His mighty strength, to carry me through it, but it's not there. And the reason is, I humbly submit to you, the reason is that if you are feeling this, what is happening is, you are trying to do spiritual battle in your physical strength. You are trying to battle the demonic forces and the evil one, Satan, in your strength, your might, your power, your wisdom, your intellect. It will never work for you. If you try to battle the evil realm and all that is being waged against you, you will fall. And what to fall looks like is to feel defeated, to want to give up, to not be happy, to not be encouraged. That's what it looks like. And we know what that feels like. But I am submitting to you. It does not have to be that way. 
it does not have to be that way because God doesn't want it to be that way and did not design it to be that way for you. But because you or whoever you may be, we, myself, whenever we choose to do spiritual battle in our strength, we will be defeated and crash. You do not have the strength to go against Satan. You're too weak. You're flesh and blood. He will destroy you. He will sift you. So, our strength comes from the Lord. The mighty power that is there to be experienced comes from the Lord. But how? Next slide, please. Put on the full armor of God so that when you read the Bible and you see therefore or for or so that, pay particular close attention because here's the reason. Put on the full armor of God or suit up so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. A lot of powerful things here. Number one, if you hear the word panoply, this is where that word comes from. In the Greek, it means the full armor of God. This word schemes is actually a literal word, methods, that that Satan has a method, a method to attack. And his methods are different for everybody. If you're poor, he's got a different method. If you're rich, he's got a different method. If you are on the computer all the time, he's got a different method. It doesn't matter Satan's got a method to defeat and destroy you and cause you not to stand in faith. And the way that we stand in faith is we put on the full armor of God. And that and that alone can make you successful in your relationship with God. It doesn't matter how much we cry. It doesn't matter how much we bemoan. It doesn't matter how much why me, why is things like this and why did that happen unless you find your strength, mighty power in the Lord, and you do that only by putting on the full armor of God, you won't stand. I continue to stress that because all I see in my life is so many Christians going around defeated, wanting to give up. And when you share truths like this, truth like this that we have to trust the Lord and to trust the Lord means to obey the Lord and trusting and obeying, that's what faith is. And if we don't put them together, we're just never going to be successful in this life. And it doesn't matter if you are diagnosed with the disease, if you're giving a few months to live or you've been through the most hellacious divorce or you lose a child or whatever may happen to you in life, as difficult as it is, the mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead will come alongside you in those moments and cause you to stand against every attack from Satan to throw you down to the ground. But 
without that mighty power, without standing strong in the Lord and having His full armor, you will fail. Have I made that point? If you want to be true and right and successful and filled and joyous in the Lord, you have to put on the full armor of God. July 8th, Grand Haven Triathlon. My daughter, back in early 2017, said, Dad, let's do a triathlon. Oh, you want to do things with your daughters, your kids? Okay, let's do that. Well, then she found out she was pregnant, and it was just sort of me and the son-in-law. He had to step in for her. It's like the things your kids get you into, you know? It's like, okay. And then we're going to Grand Haven, and Jonathan's excited. We're going to swim in Lake Michigan. And I've got to act like, hey, that's going to be a cool thing. Swim in Lake Michigan. That'll be great. And then he breaks his back. And there I am. Going to swim in Lake Michigan by myself. Well, that's okay. I've, I've trained. I get up at 5 a.m. I'm in that pool. I, I swim. I can do this. But this year, it was pretty terrifying because they were having three and four foot waves, and they announced the water temperature is 59.7 degrees, and swimming pool water's 78, and that's a little cool. But here I am. Entered that water with all those guys. You head right into the waves. You know, you're just, everybody's doing it. Go for it. Circle that first buoy about 50 meters out. And then the waves. I'm kidding, you know, up and down and lift you up and slam down. About halfway into it, I thought, this isn't what I signed up for. This, this isn't, you know, this isn't flat lake water. And I was getting so dizzy, I... Excuse me, but I about vomited three times, but I just sheer panic. All I could think in my head was, if I drown, my wife will kill me. So just keep keep going. And I thought, well, if I do drown, at least my body will wash to shore. But I talked to this guy that uh, he's from Chicago, and he just travels around and does all these triathlons all the time. He said, I was here two years ago, and they had to pull me out of the water with hypothermia. And that's why I've got this special hat and these special swim gloves and these special socks. I'm like, well, I'd I'd like to have some of that stuff too, but didn't have it. The point is, when you swim, and I'll just real quickly, these little earplugs, man, there is nothing more important than earplugs for a lot of different reasons, but you pop them in, and it makes everything a little more quiet, keeps the water out, keeps you from getting bacteria. But the number one thing is you don't have water sloshing back and forth in your ears which makes you dizzy. And then you put on your cap, which makes you more aerodynamic. And believe me, the hair will drag you down, and you're surprised at just how uh, much uh, swim cap helps you. And then goggles, you know, it it allows you to see that murky water more clearly. It allows you to see the darkness really good. But it keeps the water out of your eyes and uh, allows you to, to... continue forward. Here's the worst part of suiting up for a triathlon. I want to tell you what. Number one, it's hysterical to watch someone get into a wetsuit. Number two, unless they're a stick, it's hysterical to see someone in a wetsuit. I mean, you feel like an overweight sausage, and you, you know, it's like, it's so tight in here. 
you can't breathe. And because you've not swam in it a lot, your shoulders, you know, they, it wears your shoulders out. But you know what? If you didn't have this on going in that 59.7 degree water, you wouldn't finish the race. Because what it does, it lets in just enough water that your body heats that water right up. And uh, it, it's got buoyancy in it, so it sort of lifts up your backside a little bit. So a wetsuit, when it's cold water, you have to have it. And the point is, it really doesn't matter what activity we're doing. We have to suit up for that activity to be successful. And it really hit me back in July, early part of July, whenever those 12 boys along with their soccer coach were trapped in the caves in Thailand. And they had gone about 2.5 miles back in the cave. And then because of unexpected storms and rain, the caverns filled up with water. And they were in high ground. They had a little bit of oxygen, although it was depleting down to levels of near blackout. And were found nine days later by professional scuba people. And I thought to myself, you know, they were going through that 2.5 miles. The first scuba divers, they would take a, a dive line and they would work that line all the way through, two and a half miles of basically a rope. And that's what they would pull themselves alongside because the water was so dirty and so murky. And there were different points that they would even have to take their breathing tanks off to be able to slip through 15-inch cracks and then pull it through. It took them about five, six hours just to get from point A to point B. And then when they brought the boys out, they strapped the boys loosely to themselves, put a full mask over them for oxygen, but even then thought that they would lose some of the children. They sedated them so they wouldn't wake up because they didn't want them to panic. But you just think about that situation and the gear that it took to make it successful. Air tanks, face masks, diving lines, flashlights, helmets on their head to, to see just a little bit, and people that were trained. Now, what would you say in this worldly physical element if the divers said, well, I, I, I can go in there and rescue the kids, but I'm not going to wear a flashlight. I don't need a dive line. I think I can do it without an air tank. We know they would not be successful. And church, friends, that is the way that we approach God. When God says, put on the full armor of God's, we, in essence, say, well, I'll do this part, but I'm not going to do that part. And we fail. Look at this with me. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's the battle that we face. That's why the physical strength don't work. That's why we need 
the spiritual armor of God to be successful. Look at this next verse in verse 13. Therefore, the second time, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, because the day of evil isn't always a constant attack. It's, it's seasons of attacks. And sometimes it does seem constant. But Satan has his methods. He has his schemes. He works against us individually. And that day will come. And it does come for each and every one of us. But this full armor of God. Suiting up. Is critical if we're going to be successful in our sanctification with the Lord. But look what he says here. So that you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand. Four times in this passage of Scripture, it is stand, 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 stand your ground. Because Satan and his evil forces are coming against you to try to throw you to the ground and pin you down, but your God wants you to stand. And you can only stand in his strength. You can only stand in his mighty power. You can only be successful when you are trusting the Lord and obeying the Lord. Trusting and obeying is like wet on water. You cannot separate the two. But when we try to live our lives like that, we fail. Look at this next next passage here of Scripture. Verse 15 goes on to say, next passage, Stand firm, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. So, Paul begins to say, put the belt of truth on in your life and don't live part of the time being truthful. Live all the time being truthful. Have a lifestyle of being truthful. You can't say, I'm not going to do that part, or I'll do it sometimes, because you weaken yourself. But just make the decision, I'm going to be truthful no matter what it costs me. I'll I'll be kind, and, and I'll be tender, but I'm going to be truthful. Truthfulness is that belt that we put around our waist. It is part of that armor, being truthful. And then he goes on to say, and put on the breastplate of righteousness, And that is to say, do the right things in the Lord. And then he says, fit your feet with peace. Be a person of peace. And then he comes to this also, in addition to those things, take up this shield of faith, which was a wood shield covered in leather, soaked in water, so that when all of these arrows, these flaming arrows, signifying these arrows from the hellish realm, uh, whenever they come, you'll be able to extinguish them. Think about trying to live your life without obeying God's word and having this type of armor on you and then Satan attacks. This word for arrows can be daggers, it can be javelins, it can mean spears, but it's just like one after the other of things that that happen that come against you. And if you're there trying to do it in your own strength, you're going to fail. But if you have belt of truth 
and if you're living your life consistently as possible to do good things, right things, if you have the peace of the Lord deep in you and you have that shield of faith, you are protected. And then he goes on and even says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So you, you have the Word of God close to you and you're reminded that I am saved by the blood and the power of Jesus Christ. And, and you begin to put these six areas of equipment into your life, God says you'll be able to stand. He goes on a little bit later and he adds, he says, and pray, pray on all occasions because there's power in prayer. But I'm telling you, you have to suit up or you won't be successful. You have to suit up the way God has called you to suit up or you'll fail. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 1 Timothy 4.8 Work it out. And that's how to do it. And so this morning, as we close, I encourage you to look at this passage of Scripture and determine in your mind and your heart what areas truth peace of God, righteousness of the Lord, the salvation that is yours, God's word in your life and and how you're applying it and looking to it and make a decision to trust and obey in every way. Will you please stand with us? Church, this morning has been such a joy uh, to be able to work together, to have our children leading us in worship this morning. And it's just a great reminder that no matter how new a song might be, like the My Lighthouse that they sang, or the Tis So Sweet that they sang just afterward, to see the, the old and the new come together was a joy for me. And I hope it was for you as well to see our next generation of worship leaders uh, truly leading us in worship this morning. And to close out today, we wanted to sing uh, this hymn, as Patrick referenced a few times, Trust and Obey. And I wanted to do it in such a way that uh, offered this this broad-spectrum look at worship. Um, No matter how loud and energetic we might be, uh, we can break it down with our